Welcome to Conversations with the Coach. And this is Coach George Raveling, along with one of my former assistants, Jack Furtick. George, our, our podcast topic for today deals with practice. You've coached at three different major colleges. You've coached all-star teams and, and um, other uh, different teams. So out of through the years, thousands of practices. Um, give us a, uh, an overview of how you feel about practice and also how you changed throughout the years. Well, I, I think that I, I, at the late stages of my life and out of coaching, I, I realized that, that I, I should have placed an even greater uh, value and, and on, um, on practice sessions. I look back now and I think that there, there are four common uh, components that, that, that make up a, a, an inclusive uh, practice. The, the, there's the physical part, which I think that we spend a, a, an inordinate amount of time on. There's the mental part. The, to me, the physical part of practice is the how part of practice. The mental part of practice is the why uh, uh, a part of practice. And I've always been one who believed that if the players understand why they're doing things, they'll, they'll, the, the, the how part will become a, a lot more meaningful to them. And, and then I think the other two components is there's a, an, in, an, an individual aspect of practice, and there's a team practice uh, also, uh, uh, going on. So you're really conducting two practices at the same time. You're, you're, you're doing individual uh, practice work, and you're doing team practice work, and you're bundling them together, and you're bundling them together under, under the banners of physical and, and, and mental. And, and so... The next thing I, 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 I view about practice is uh, practice has three stages to it. There's pre-practice, and that was something that I valued greatly because it was always an opportunity to talk to the team and what I call a quick strike uh, conversation before practice. And m most of the time when I talked to the players before practice, it was really not about basketball but about life experiences and, and, and to get them to see that this whole idea of basketball participation in a broader uh, perspective in that. So there's the pre-practice aspect to it. There's the, the practice, and then there's the after-practice. So in pr preparing for a practice, I think those are the three stages uh, that a practice is conducted on, pre-practice, practice, and, th and then after-practice. And, and to me, um, you, you try to look at practice in a holistic uh, 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 manner. To me, I, I have always felt that that practice was a place you go to get better. Practice is a place for experimentation for coaches. It's not about winning and losing in practice. It's 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 about it's about learning, understanding, and growing in prosper in practice and getting better in practice. So, this is a great time for coaches to experiment uh, uh, during practice time. And I, I firmly believe that more games are won and lost in practice than, than they are in the, in the game. I think um, 
practice is, 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 is a marvelous platform for solving problems, individual problems, team problems, communications problems, behavioral problems. All of these things uh, uh, offer the coaches an opportunity to, to address these things. Uh, I think one thing that goes overlooked a lot in practice is stressing good practice habits. I don't think that we, we – we, uh, articulate enough to the players the importance of developing good practice habits just as we develop bad practice habits in there. Um, I think that it's, it's, it's a great opportunity to refine skills, to teach players how to work together, and, and, and to compete. All practices, there ha always has to be a high relevance to, uh, to practicing hard and, and creating an atmosphere. Uh, I look back now, and the best practices were the ones that were highly intense. They were competitive. Uh, they, they were they were positive and 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 focused. Because I think as practice goes along, if you're practicing two or three hours, there's going to be some mental slippage. There's going to be some physical slippage in practice, and so it's incumbent upon the coaching staff to to to, to put up roadblocks to this slippage and and maybe to call a, a halt in the practice and reset our focus again. Uh, I, th I think that all the great practices are the ones that are where there's a high level of enthusiasm and, and, and intensity in there. And, and um, so before you get into practice, I think you ha there has to be some expectations as a coaching staff as to what are going to be the matrix that you're going to – how you're going to measure performance during practice. Uh, we, we can't have all the same voices. If you got six assistant coaches and a head coach all yelling at the players, the players aren't going to hear anybody. There's got to be uh, identification of different voice levels and, and different uh, uh, coaching assignments out there on, on the court. So these are some of the things that, that, uh, that, that immediately come to mind, and I'm sure you I've said enough now that you've probably thought of a couple of things you want to quiz me about. Well, one I, one I did in particular right at the end, I remember – when you were John Thompson's assistant in 88, that he used to say to the assistants, uh, you know, today you be the hard guy and I'll be the soft guy. Uh, yeah. And that's, I know, one thing that you were saying, as opposed to everybody's just chiming in at the same time, speaking over each other, and maybe you can, um, you know, enlighten everybody on, yeah. on I that learned theory. That, I learned that from Coach Thompson in, in 88 when, in, when I was his assistant on the Olympic team, uh, was that he would assign uh, a voice and communication responsibilities at practice, and he would say, okay, today, George, I'm going to be loud, you're going to be soft, uh, Billy, you're going to be the moderator, uh, uh, you, 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 you're going to be the guy, the ins ins inspirational. And so he gave everybody a, a communications uh, a role at practice. And I remember when the first time he said it, I was intrigued by it, and I said, John, no, you know, how'd you come up with what, what he, And he just said, he said that I think players listen better when they hear a variety of different voices, on, and and uh, instead of all the same voices, if if we if we've got six or eight of us out there all yelling at the players, they hear nobody, and, and and their ears perk up when they hear different voice levels, different messages, and so forth. And so I I I, uh, I stole that from Coach Thompson, and I utilized it from then on in in in, in my coaching repertoire, and I I think that. 
in, in practice, when you, when you go into practice as a coaching staff, there has to be points of emphasis and, 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 and things that we're going to focus on. And one of the things I, 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 I learned to put a great deal of more uh, value on later in my coaching career was the energy level, always monitoring the, the, the energy level of the players in, in, in practice. And not only the, the, the players, uh, but also the coaches. Uh, we, we're fond of, of talking about players having bad practices, but coaches can have bad practices too. And 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 so you you want to mo monitor the energy level at practice at all time. You want to you want to uh, always be advocating strong, solid, good practice habits out there. Our communications and it's got to be be consistent. Uh, we, we, always creating an enthusiastic environment during practice, uh, uh, players encouraging each other. Um, uh, one of the things I learned from Coach Knight in, in practice was, was uh, uh, always make every drill in practice relate to your system of play. Always uh, make every drill competitive. Uh, get the players performing against themselves as often as, as possible. And, and then one of the things that I, that I started to do over the years was I would take individual players, maybe two players every practice, and, I would, and I'd, I'd tell them before practice to write out an in, in, index card, three goals for practice. And then, and then, we, and then they would put, write them down, and I'd tell them, just put the index card in your sock and after practice, pull it out and show me, and let's see how it did. I remember when I coached James Donaldson, uh, one of the things that I used to do with James is I'd say, James, before practice gets started, I want you to measure yourself in, in, in rebounding and blocking out and outlet passing one to five, with five being the highest. And you focus on those things today in practice and after practice. Let's, uh, I'm going to do the same thing. And then after practice, let's get together and talk and see uh, what we, uh, how we compare our scores in that. And a lot of let, let's let people know that James Donaldson was – was someone who was as coachable as anybody. I mean, there was no there. You said something; he believed it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it, there wasn't any um, uh, contradiction, or there wasn't a debate. You know, when you coach James, and I think James was not a very good player coming out of high school, and he ended up playing what thirteen years, I think, in the NBA. Yes. James didn't start playing until he was a senior in high school, so he was a late developer. And what, one of the things that I, that I felt in, in, in helping him grow in practice was that you had to create opportunities for small wins for him so that he could see that each day he was getting better, he was making progress. And so I always tried to create opportunities for him to have small wins in practice so that he could feel that his efforts were being rewarded, that he was getting better. And, and, and I think that that's, that's something that you have to do a lot of times in, in, in practice is help players understand uh, the level of progress that they're making. One other thing, George, I know basketball is the only team game where the defensive goal is not a shutout. Now, that means that the other team is going to score some points, mm -hmm. uh, which means that no matter how well you do, Sometimes the other team's going to be better. You, you know, football, baseball, soccer, hockey, they all, you know, the goal is to shut people out. That means 
that as a coach, especially in practice, you need a tolerance for mistakes. Yeah, I, I think that this is one thing that, that, uh, that coaches really need to focus on more, is there's never going to be a mistake-free practice. Uh, we, we have to establish uh, a tolerance for mistakes. And we, we also have to see mistakes more as a positive than, 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 than a negative. And I think that the, the really master coaches, the great coaches, they welcome mistakes into their practice because they realize that these are opportunities for, to to teach, these are opportunities to learn, these are opportunities to grow. And so you take this positive thing and, and, and you illuminate it and make it something, uh, 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 take these mistakes and make it positive instead of negative. That's when you want to make mistakes, is yeah. in practice. Yeah, right. And, and mistake, the reality is mistakes are part of the game. They're inherent in, in performance. And so we accept them and feel, and, and how can we positively use these to help players uh, uh, grow? And there's never been a mistake-free practice, as I said before. But uh, um, I, th I think that uh, w uh, one of the lessons I learned in, in, in practice was that don't be critical of players individually. Try to be critical of the team collectively, even though you really the message might only be for one or two players. But I think a lot of times we come too negative in practice. So from a coaching standpoint, late in my career, I really grew to understand to always be having an awareness of my talk my my talk to listen ratio, my positive to negative ratio with players and that. Because I think players feed off of your body language as a coach. They feed off of your attitude. They feed off of the words and emotions that uh, that you voice during practice and display during practice. And so I think coaches ha have a far greater impact on on uh, practice performance than, than than they realize that they do. And I know one other thing you were good at. I know when we had kids come in, I don't even know if you know this, but at SC, we, I would take them to lunch, freshmen, and give them a, you know, here's Coach Rav. It may not be the same guy that was in your home, but practice after practice when he came by the office, you were, you were, his, you were his best friend. I mean, you were, you were his mentor again, and, it, you know, nothing, it, was, it wasn't personal. Well, and I and I and I think that you have to to create an environment where where players are are willing to accept a correction and see it as as a positive thing as opposed to a negative thing. And 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 also when when you see the player away from the coach the court, it's a good time that that maybe 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 even to be a little jovial about something right, that that's happened what in I was practice, to, right. uh, and uh, and uh, and also a, a chance to say you know, maybe I'd say let me ask you this, Jackie, do you understand why I got on you today at practice? And then maybe it's a good time to have like a little quick hit conversation with them around uh, uh, practice. I also believe if I went back into coaching today, I would have a, a way that I would measure your individual practice performances and post them every day so that players can see in a vivid manner they can measure their performance from day to day and also I think it helps it helps the coaching staff 
uh, because you can see a, this player's had two average practices, three average practices, maybe over the course of five days, he's had four average practices and one below. So we have, so, and then there's still two uh, uh, standards above that, which are good and excellent. So, so, uh, so right, right now we're getting everyday performance out of these guys. How do we elevate their their performance out there? And the players have to understand what what responsibilities and accountabilities they're being held to in practice. Over the years, uh, it's something that's fascinating to me. I'll ask coaches, hey, how was practice today? They say, oh, it was good, or some will say it wasn't very good. I, 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 could, I could say with all certainty that I've never had five coaches in all my coaching career, when I said to them, how was practice today, they said it was great. And, and to me, if, if, if the expectation with the players is not for practice performance to be great, then you're not going to get it. Players are going to give you what you ask for and what you stress. So I think that at, from a coaching standpoint, one of the things I would do today, again, if I came back to coaching, our goal standard would be excellent, and we should be a little disappointed if we walk off the floor and we didn't get a, and we and we didn't get a grade of excellent in practice. And I think that we can determine that because a lot of it is, it is uh, of the quality of a practice evolves around uh, mental attitude and, and, and performance excellence. Now, you're talking about tangible things or intangibles in terms of measuring. I mean, you're, more than, you're talking beyond rebounds, assists, and points. Yes, I, I think you, you'd have to set up some, some physical uh, 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 characteristics that would be evaluated, some, some mental. Uh, like, I've had situations over the years where uh, I would say to the team at the end of practice, fellas, this was a great practice physically, but it was just a, an average practice mental. I love your physical effort, but mentally we just made too many mistakes out there. And I think that's, it, it, that a lot of times we need to have that separation to help the player understand because when you at the end of practice we say, well, this was a really a bad practice, and the player's thinking to himself, Man, I bust my hand, my, my butt out there for two hours. I gave everything I get, and he's telling me that it was a bad practice. So that's when I started to realize we've got to segment the game into the physical and mental and tell them that. Say, guys, this was a great physical effort. I can't ask for any more from you physically. But mentally, we, we, we're not where we, where we should be right now. We've got to be more focused. We've got to cut down on the little mistakes that we're making. And we, we can combine excellent from a physical and mental standpoint, then we're going to be where we want to be and we're going to win a lot of